Yeah. Should we expect an apology soon from Ether Delta? That's like, <laughs> like we Sons. believe we have been <laughs> above our britches and too enthusiastic. Yeah. We the are great apology. Elders, the great elders have shown us now. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, welcome everyone to the Crypto Basic Podcast featuring Kareem Baruke and Adam Levy. Ayo. What's up, what's up? And they are alongside me, that's Brent, and we are here to have a Flagship Friday episode where we talk about all the news, current events going on in the crypto community. We were founded as a place to give you a safe space to learn about your favorite projects, unless they're projects we hate, in which case it won't be very safe. So this is Flagship 85. We always handle the news on the uh, right before the weekend, so you get your real big dose, and that's what we're handling today. Coming up on this episode, we're going to be talking about how Bitcoin is the world's 11th largest money supply. We're going to be talking about Verge. Binance's Know Your Customer possible leak, maybe? Some Craig Wright news. Uh, North Korea. We do love North Korea. And the top four European countries ranked by adoption and more. And also... Emphasis on the more. Spoiler alert. There is going to be a giveaway on this episode that uh, you can enter on our social media. But you can get some extra points in the giveaway by knowing a secret word, which we're going to say after the rapid fire. So you got to stick around until at least then. It's the safe word? It's a- yeah, well, safe's not the word, but yeah, it's going to be a safe word for this safe space. I know Brent's safe word. It's Pillsbury. You guys can go ahead and use that to hack all his passwords. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pillsbury123 has been my passwords for the last 20 years. <laughs> all right. Why don't we get things started then? Let's do it. Adam, you're handling rapid fire today, right? So we can expect this to take about 20 minutes? Sure. Yeah. Bolt about action fire stories coming right up. Definitely. Hmm. Uh, all right. I keep wanting that joke to land, but it never does. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of zoned out for a second and missed it. But so here we are with the not so rapid rapid fire. So we're gonna start off with Venezuela, and apparently Bitcoin trading in Venezuela is actually at an all time high. I guess the International Monetary Fund, IMF, they ended up reporting that the Venezuelan Bolivar is supposed to is going has got undergone a period of severe hyperinflation and just a bit. Just a bit. <laughs> and so they Only hit an all time historical high. perspective. <laughs> yeah. And so apparently, you know, Venezuela is now and an all-time high with transactions because of it and very in like the first week of August. Also, Colombia and Argentina have seen like those uh like sorry, the Bitcoin to their currencies uh or sorry, the opposite spike a lot uh, around the same time because I guess you know, I remember we talked about Argentina a while back and how they also were experiencing some hyperinflation. So and Colombia I mean, is geographically really close to Venezuela, so they're borders, right? Yeah. 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 So so they are probably getting some... I don't think there's anything wrong with Colombia's economy, but I think they're probably... Oh, I wouldn't say that. 
Oh, G- oh, G- Okay, well, yeah, I guess yeah, we have yeah, a Colombian yeah. here who can tell us different. But well, no, I haven't, yeah. re- I haven't heard of anything bad about it. No, I mean, like you know, things are better than they were. Let's say um, what you would consider ten years ago or something like that. But it's still uh, a lot of corruption, and you still have a lot of like um, unemployment, and people are still young people leave the country because they can't find work. It's not uh, a good economic situation. I would also just think that if your borders with a with a country that is experiencing a lot of issues that that might there might just it's it's hard to be completely I would think that that would rub off some extent. Yeah, well, literally a million people, more than a million people have crossed the border. There you go. There, you've got are you having an invasion of <laughs> I would not oh, define Jesus it. Jesus Christ. Like what am that. I doing? What am I doing, Kareem? Hey, I can't use that. Literally, Jesus. we're in the rapid fire. You guys, section. rapid God fire means we go to the this next. This isn't even my fault today. This is Brent tanking. <laughs> I can't make insensitive jokes in the rapid fire section of all places. Okay, I'm sorry. Are, <sighs> are, are we back, Brent? Yeah, yeah, we're back. Okay, so the next topic in the rapid fire is Ethereum's on chain stablecoin transaction volumes surpassed. Venmo's total payment volume in quarter two. This does include Tether, which is, you know, still a majority of it, but Tether's about 12 billion. And then the rest, you know, this is a uh, USD coin, DAI, Paxos, True USD is about 15, 17 million. And Venmo's at 25, sorry, not million, billion. And Venmo's at 25 billion. So that seems like a pretty good sign. It's interesting. There's so we know that Venmo is being used way more than crypto, just like intuitively, like we know that. So my guess is that there is just significantly larger sums of money being moved around or back and forward or like with wash trading or something like that with stable coins on Ethereum than people actually paying each other for fish emoji, you know, cakes or something. <clears throat> That's right. I would definitely lean on the side that I mean, it's still interesting number to know, but I think Venmo's total represents a higher percentage of true economic activity. Um, sustainable, you know what I mean? Like ex- exactly what you said, or here's $15 for that pizza we got or anything like that. Yeah, that is fair. Or if you look at my Venmo feed, it's all basically anybody who ever Venmos or gets money from me regrets it afterwards because <laughs> I, <laughs> I always put like, you know, for thank you for the blow job or something like that. I, I feel like Venmo will eventually shut me down for, <laughs> for being too offensive on my Venmo payments. So I can't do that with a stable coin, which is unfortunate. Yeah. If only you could write it in on every single transaction. I guess you can actually, if I wanted yeah. to, Oh, well. we should implement that. There you All go. Right. Anyway, so let's keep wrapping. <laughs> so the next section is ether Delta. Uh, they, you remember those guys that uh, really that exchange that seemed like it could have been from the 1980s if there was internet. Ah, yeah, ups. yeah, and that's where I sold Spank Chain originally. Mm, they were the delta of the ether. Continue. I think we there was a there was definitely a joke there, but <laughs> no, I'm there wasn't. Too... No, Kareem tried to force a joke there. there just, it wasn't there. That's the point. <laughs> okay. Well, we're gonna don't let me on. distract you from this new story, though. Please yeah. continue. <laughs> so apparently, Chinese police are investigating Ether Delta for a 176k exit scam. So if you remember, maybe I think it might have fallen through the cracks in late 2017, early 2018, but Ether Delta got sold 
um, the guy who bought it initially, who ended up getting like fined by the SEC, he ended up selling it to these Chinese investors. And I guess they decided they were going to have an ICO in 2000, January 2018, a month after it was sold, and they just ran off with all the money. <laughs> yeah. I do remember that. That is... It was only 176000 I guess it's not that bad for ICOs as far as they go. Yeah, but now the... Um, you know, because they're a Chinese, you know, they're yeah, they're a Chinese. Now the Chinese police are now investigating them, and that's gonna kind of they're they're not very happy with that. And yeah. <laughs> should we expect an apology soon from Ether Delta? That's like <laughs> like we Justin believe we have been <laughs> above our britches and too enthusiastic. Yeah. We the are great apology. elders. The great elders have shown us now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. So uh, the person who I actually found reported this was Dovi Wan. And she just, uh, she works for, I think, Primitive Ventures, which is a, uh, it's a cryptocurrency investment fund partner there. But she's constantly on Twitter. I actually gave her a follow after this because this is probably the third or fourth time that I've seen her report a, a, a news story that's very, like, like breaking. Or she just has the insight to it, so I'd give her a follow if you uh, you know want to stay up to date, uh, stay up to date, 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 date. I don't know what 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 happened there, but yeah. So that's that for Ether Delta. Good luck with those guys uh, not going to jail. And the last one is Gods Unchained. This is a a blockchain uh, card game. Yeah, we've mentioned it a couple times now. We've even threatened to like stream it a little bit. I think we should actually do that now. No, that- I, I I believe that we should, but I have I have to try it on my PC on my Mac. I can't open it for whatever reason. It's That's glitching. because Macs are shit. Oh God, here we go. But so yeah, they <laughs> hired a former director of Magic: The Gathering Arena named Chris Clay, and. I think this is pretty big news. He, Magic Arena is a great program. Yeah. And he resigned uh, a few months ago for undisclosed reasons, but I wonder if it had something to do. <laughs> Sounds like maybe those reasons are now on the blockchain. Being disclosed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to exactly. take some time off and go to the moon. See y'all later. <laughs> Crypto, get it. Yeah. I, actually, what's really funny is that I, I, I'm, so I'm practicing for a Magic Arena event in a few weeks. And literally, I, I'm just randomly clicking on the article now. They're talking about how Chris Clay like left Magic the Gathering Arena community, and they were and everyone was wondering why. And it's like funny that a, like basically a day later, it's kind of explained as to why. And I mean, I think this is a big move for gaming in in the blockchain space. I hope that this game is actually good once we get to play it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm pumped to try it at some point, And it's really cool that I, I think it probably is if they've got the Magic the Gathering arena, you know, director. Kind of yeah, I mean, that's got to count for something. There's no question about it because you're just bringing in a certain level of experience and stuff. It is a good product. Even I'm not a big, avid Magic player like you guys are. And I've used it before. And it's great. It's good design. It's entertaining. It's fun. Like... If Magic wasn't so expensive, I would play it all the time. You know what I mean? So it's a good game, and I think that it is good for the prospects of the game that they're bringing in somebody like that. I mean, that's like Magic the Gathering is like the, one of the most relevant talent you could take if you're trying to embark yeah, on this project. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, so one last quote from this article from Decrypt, which I find myself going to a lot more and more. Uh, but <laughs> the amount of deep domain expertise that Chris is bringing to Gazan Chain is insane. Robbie Ferguson, uh, co-founder of Gods and Chain said, and then he says he has fully grokked our vision and the journey ahead of us and knows how to make that happen. Is that a typo? No, (laughs) these, this is a real quote, like grokked. I don't know what it means, but he's grokked us, bro. I, I don't like, this is a very unorthodox quote, but I mean, you know, we are in the blockchain, uh, community and I mean, it's a real word apparently. It means understood, understand intuitively or by empathy. So, okay. legal, I guess. And that's kind of about it for the rapid fire section. All right. Now that we've gone through our slowest rapid fire yet to date, we are going to have a quick conversation about Wild Foods. They have been our sponsor. They're going to continue to be our sponsor. So, we are going to mention who they are, what they do, and then a little something extra for all of you for listening to it. So uh, Wild Foods, they have real foods, real ingredients. They do these, they painstakingly source these from small farms around the world, and they really focus on the quality and the sustainability of what they are getting. The sourcing is extremely painful, painstaking, which leads to even some supply issues, but we stick with them because we want the highest quality stuff at wild foods. I say we, cause I do work for them full disclosure, but um, anyway, because wild foods is sponsoring the show, they decided they wanted to give away so, a gift card to, cause we're, there's not a whole lot of overlap between crypto and the health space. It's not like we're on a uh, workout podcast or something. So we want to give the listeners the ability to go ahead and try this stuff. So we are going to be giving away two, gift cards to wild foods so you can and you can enter in a bunch of different ways go to cryptobasicpodcast.com slash giveaway and it'll be right there you'll find it on our twitter facebook everything like that but very similar to the time that we gave away some of mike's world series of poker action for following each person on twitter or anything else you're able to get an entry and those end up stacking up. I don't remember how many it is that you can get total, and one of which is even uh, subscribing to the Wild Foods newsletter. So one of them, though, is entering a secret code, which you can only get on the show right here, right now. And I think that that, I was going to do something really, like, trolly with that code. I'm only going to do it a little bit trolly because I was going to originally... Well, the code, the word, the secret word is Carlos. The secret word is Carlos. That is what's going to get you the extra points on there. I was going to do Tron and then like make it an Adam joke, but then I realized that people would have to write Tron and I don't want to give them any more publicity. So Carlos is the word. You can enter that and you can enter in a few different other ways. You don't need to remember that word if you don't want to, but go on over to CryptoBasicPodcast.com slash giveaway. Get your chance at one of two $50 Wild Foods gift cards to try those products for real. There's actually a lot of overlap in, uh, uh, I find, with crypto and keto or carnivore diet. You see on uh, Twitter, all the all the all the crypto guys, all the guys in the biz are talking about how they they love steak and this and that, and it's in That's their true. profile. But other than that, I'd say yeah, not too much. Real quick, uh, you guys are inadvertently teasing a future part of the episode where we're going to learn about the average crypto user, what they are demographically. Yeah, no, 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 it's okay. 
But I'm actually going to take you guys to an interesting article I found. Um, and I'm going to give a shout out here. This is based off of the Crypto Voices guys and a report that they shared. But oh, what was his name? We had him on the podcast a while back. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He, Matthew. He was, not, it wasn't Matthew Aaron. It was the other Matthew. Matthew. Uh, yeah. Ah, we had one I'll, I'll look mar- his name up while you talk. It's yeah, okay. Yeah. We know you can't remember names. I think it happened last week also. <laughs> All right, but here's the title, guys. This kind of blew me away. Bitcoin, according to their estimates, I'm sure that they, they could be debatable and all that, but they estimate Bitcoin is now the world's 11th largest money supply. So with a $200 billion market cap, that would put Bitcoin ahead of South Korea, Australia, Canada, and Brazil. So now to put it into context, though, the world's largest money supply, I mean, you guys can look at it here. I I don't know that I would have guessed this. If you had asked me before I read this, I would have thought that it was the US dollar, but it's not even close. It's gold with a market cap of $8 trillion. So gold in a lot of ways really is the true... (laughs) Uh, the true king. Yeah, world reset, uh, reserve asset. So it's $8 trillion. It shows you compared to that, Bitcoin is really tiny. But at the same time, it's not tiny because it's a larger money supply than, um, as mentioned, South Korea, Australia, Canada, Brazil. And, uh, you know, this report actually goes into a lot of stuff. It's looking at the growth of Bitcoin over time. The uh, I put a link to their Twitter which kind of did a 30, you know, when the people do like 40 tweets in a row and they're explaining something, but it was uh, super storm. interesting. Re- yeah, yeah. Tweet storm. There you go. <laughs> uh, but it was fantastic. It's super interesting. He's got a bunch of shards that are showing just how Bitcoin relates to other currencies, how the inflation, how the total amount of base money in the global economy, uh, how much of it is it being allocated to Bitcoin and other assets over time. It's very, very interesting I'm very bullish for Bitcoin. <laughs> uh, no, but seriously. So that's a. Uh, oh, and if you don't count gold and silver, Bitcoin would be ninth. However, I think if you're going to put Bitcoin in that category, we should include gold and silver. So also, gold and silver have had kind of a uh, you know a bit of a head start. So if you, that's well, a few thousand <laughs> years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, but also, cryptos on, or Bitcoin's only had an ele- been around for 11 years, and a lot of these countries have been around for 10 all right, years. All right. If you can't bite it and decide whether it's gold or not, then yeah. it's not real. And, and listen, and gold is a long distance away, but silver market cap is $800 billion. Bitcoin is a $200 billion. So that means that if we get to a 40K Bitcoin at one point then Bitcoin would be a larger money supply than all the sur- silver on earth. That's So pretty- I think technically at one point it was then. If- no, we no, 40K, 40K. 40K. 40K no, Bitcoin? I know. Oh, I know. But at some point we were, I think we hit 800 billion in 2017 or two, early Maybe 2018. Maybe crypto Oh, you're space. talking about total crypto cap? Yeah. yeah. Cryptocurrency. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, I'm talking Bitcoin. about Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, super interesting for those of you listening that are, I know some probably already listened to that podcast, so maybe you've already been exposed, but if you don't, it was, it's, Ma- it's it was really Matthew Mazinskis. That's right, Mazinskis. Oh, yeah, it was on the tip of your tongue. <laughs> so close. And that's, that's that, gentlemen. These are cool charts, though. I would recommend, uh, you know, give it a, giving it a look. 
Yeah, there's a there's a chart on there that has a breakdown of like where each currency is ranked right over the past. 10 years. So gold has been the number one money supply every single year. And then the Japanese yen, because remember they had so much inflation, they've been toying around between five, six, and they've been increasing to two. The yuan, the euro, they're all in the three, four, four. And then you just see Bitcoin being irrelevant in 2009, 10, 11, then coming in at like a fraction, then coming in at like 31 in 2016, jumping all the way to number 11. Uh, in 2017 and just kind of now back at 19, then back up at 11, but it's definitely taking up a market cap. I mean, you can see it gaining ground globally, put it that way. And the Chinese just did something weird with the yuan and devalued it. I don't remember. I don't know they what that is. Though. I didn't look into they it. They didn't. So that's actually, that's funny. It's It's part of the narrative that they're trying to say, but what they didn't do is interfere from letting the yuan devalue, if that makes sense. Like, they are not really manipulating. It devalued by not that much. It, the entire year, it's, it's in, or since Trump started, it's devalued by like 3%. It's been normal c- currency fluctuations. Oh, so, the, so China devalues their currency is actually China didn't fuck with their currency? Is, is the In a weird way, yeah. Because they were expecting for them to not let the price of the currency drop by the Chinese government buying up treasuries and therefore increasing the demand for the yuan and keeping it up. But instead, the Chinese government just let it drop. Uh, I, I don't remember how the breakdown goes, but it's something about the way the purchasing power of the currency, how it can be used for their exports and imports and to try to offset tariffs and things like that. But basically, they didn't interfere in the market as the currency was being devalued by a percentage that is totally standard anyway, nothing out of the ordinary. So it's really not like... You know, that goes to show you how our how our system is set up. That that's how I heard it reported because we would just interfere, <laughs> and we would mess with it, and we would yeah. not well, let it do that. And also because it serves the political goals of the president. So he's that's part of the narrative that he's been trying to you know that they are manipulating the currency, and that's why these tariffs also are necessary. That they're cheating, et cetera, et cetera. Interesting. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, you got like a maid in the background there, Adam? Uh, yeah, because I always do it during uh, <laughs> Thursday morning, which is a street cleaning. Oh, it's street time. cleaning. Every uh, week, yeah. All right. Well, that was interesting talk about the money. It was interesting talk about the cool narrative that we have in the U.S. as far as China. I think it's time... We, we switched around the sections a little bit today, but I think it's time for That's a Scam. That's a Scam. No, 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 no. That's a Scam. That is a scam. Oh, man. You know what we haven't talked about in a while, boys? Verge. Yeah, that's we true. We haven't talked about Verge. I saw some Verge news. I'm not going to lie. I got excited. <laughs> it is. It's, it's Verge time, boys. For all the virgins out there, this is not going to be a great piece on Verge. I'm not going to have anything good to say. Um, so there's a, there's a Reddit post where this Reddit user, their name is Flenst, F-L-E-N-S-T, posted about this. It basically, he did all the research, so, you know, he gets full credit as far as I'm concerned. Um, months ago, somebody found a way to hack the mining algorithm and has been going under the radar ever since. Yeah, boy. They, yeah, they, they basically were able to mine the maximum allowed for any one address over three addresses over the course of months. And it looks like they've gotten around $212,000 from like 
this exploit that they have on the mining system. Uh, the poster doesn't know how they're exploiting it, only that it is an exploit because it's too predictable when they will actually win the blocks. So they basically are like, we know that they're going to win at this time, this time, this time, this time, and this time. You go look, and it's the exact same pattern every single time. It should be random if they're in a true situation where the mining is being distributed. It's not random at all. So uh, there's a Verge team member that like commented about this to dispel any of the problems and said that uh, it, basically they said, well, there's a time shift that could be used and all this stuff, and basically described how a time shift works. And all that was was a talking point from months ago when they got hacked that other time when their blockchain had to get like accidentally hard forked. They were having a time shift issue and they were just like regurgitating that talking point as to what it is. But they, they weren't talking about what was actually happening. They were just like, oh, yeah, you could do this time shift thing. But, you know, it's fine. And didn't address anything really. But did. But it was just like this weird non sequitur response. And apparently, like, there is a different way to work time into the equation that's not the same time shift exploit that they were doing before. Could be part of it. In that same thread, uh, of course, Sunarok, Justin, Velo, whatever you want to call this guy, goes in there and starts arguing with the guy who posted. Uh, I don't understand the code speak that's going back and forward. But what I do understand is Justin is a scammer from fucking some podunk place in Florida. Oh, yeah, where I grew up. And he's being combative the entire time. So what I understand is when somebody is trying to argue with you and they're only being combative, they don't have a good point to make. And he also used the word legit at some point in his argument in Uh-oh. his official capacity. Oh, so he, boy. He was just like, Verge is totally legit. I don't actually remember how he used it. I just remember seeing him be like, really? He used the word legit right uh, there? Like, I'm, what the hell? I'm actually disappointed. I thought it was going to be like a surfer or something. But like, bro, that was legit. But instead, <laughs> like, but all right. So he kind of used it in a real manner. Yeah, so yeah. Verge has fallen finally. Like, I, I decided to look where it was. It was like 70th on the market cap, whereas before it used to be like all this news would come out about how shitty their blockchain was and they would like and go up in price. go up. Oh, my God. I didn't understand. <laughs> I mean, that's where, you know, sometimes I don't I don't care what you tell me. Markets are not always efficient, bro. Cause, yeah. I think a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Like, then, Verge gets hacked. Verge guy doesn't know what he's doing ha- and messes up his own code. Oh. 10% increase. <laughs> you guys remember when I'd always mentioned the guy who, like, I feel like I've mentioned at least five times about Verge, Litcoin. Oh, yeah, your and, boy. And yeah, Litcoin. Trump. I saw that guy this weekend. So it's kind of funny that this is, you know, Verge is now in the news again. And I was just being like, oh, yeah, that's the guy, Litcoin, Verge. I talk about him all the time. <laughs> you know what? They are, they are finally down. They're down to number 75 on the market cap. They were 70 when I was researching this. So they've even dropped further. Dude, Looks you know like- what's crazy to me, Brent? Like, I feel like if you're just coming into crypto, you're going to find some more surface stuff, you know? And, like, you already have to be so involved. How do people, like, get involved in a project like this and not find all of the... It's just amazing, right? Like, once you get into a certain mindset, you just don't see how people keep putting money into this garbage. Well, maybe they were on Pornhub and they were like, man, what is this little (laughs) cryptocurrency thing? (laughs) Boy, I better pay with this verge. Can't wait to have a conversation with my grandpa about what porn was like in his day. That's the What what I would like is if this hacker that's stealing all this money from the verge blockchain or stealing all these verge tokens, which I guess shouldn't be money, should be worthless. I would like it if he was like giving away Pornhub premium memberships and like a white hat hacker move. 
just be like, yeah, oh yeah, I've been giving these away since that happened. But no. I think there's a little bit of tri- there's definitely tri- not a little bit, a lot of bit of tribalism, especially in you know a Telegram group or whatever, where you know people just keep posting dumb memes or like to the moon or whatever. Yeah, maybe not as much as it used to be, but it could, I could still see that being prevalent in certain areas because you know just it's an easy thing to kind of buy into. I've been in those Telegram, man. They're they're completely toxic. Like I go in and, you know, I was in the Substratum one before they banned me, or a couple other of our scam coins that we uh, popped in and tried to talk to people. That is exactly what happens in those those Telegram channels. It's just a bunch of people talking about how amazing the coin is, and like it's it's almost like you <laughs> could replace the coin's name with Jesus, and it would make perfect sense. So, you know, that is not what our Discord is like. Please join our Discord. Actually, we should, I feel like we should just give a disclaimer to the Telegram groups. You're not going to find any relevant information in the Telegram groups, maybe ever. So if you want to be in there and you want to just kind of like see what the community is like and, and, but like you can't and, and take it with a grain of salt, cool, but you cannot be making any type of decision based on what people are saying in the telegram group it's pretty it's just like uh it's not where the you know the marketing funnel is going to start from it's or like you know if someone puts out news they're going to give it to a news source they're not going to just post immediately in the telegram or something so i would recommend if you're just kind of like a new amateur crypto user to basically avoid them yeah join the discord avoid telegram and profit Discord is set up so much nicer than Telegram. Obviously, there's privacy concerns with Discord versus Telegram, but Telegram group chats are not end-to-end encrypted, so it's not... I don't know. Anyway, uh, speaking of Telegram chats that don't release anything relevant, Adam, why don't you tell us about the Binance Know Your Customer leak that's been going on? Whoa, 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 whoa. I think we also need to be careful in saying that it it was not on Binance, it was not Binance's fault, and it was not through Binance. It was yeah. actually just maybe, allegedly, allegedly. allegedly. Let's get into this, and we'll we'll go right. through well, step by step what's I, happening. I, I, I wanted to you know frame it before people start freaking out that yes. Binance has been you know hacked or anything. So basically, there was a know your customer leak uh, of a bunch of passports were posted in a Telegram group. Uh, that it was just like it was just a big dump in one. I don't know what group, and uh, I don't think we should say it, even if we did. And right. there are no links in the show notes to this. Yeah. Group. So uh, apparently, during the influx of new users in February 2018, uh, Binance used a third-party KYC company to deal with the demand of all the customers, and allegedly that company had a breach at some point so the hacker was then using those photos so yes some binance users if you signed up in that period of time unfortunately did have their you know their information leaked but it was not through binance and i would definitely look into that i'm not really sure what the channels are if you happen to be opening an account during february 2018 but Yes, this hacker was demanding 300 Bitcoin from Binance. But this is just an amazing angle shot. That's a lot of Bitcoins. Yeah, you're trying to get 300 Bitcoin from the Binance exchange who you technically didn't even hack. So, (laughs) like, that's ballsy. 
So Binance encountered two days ago with a 25 up to 25 Bitcoin bounty out on this on the hacker. And uh, also, this is not the first time that this guy has used this like passport dump info dump. So the hacker actually did this in January 2019 as well. Decrypt yet again, they reported a quote unquote hack because it wasn't really a hack uh, that that was coming from Binance and Kraken. And both the exchanges reported that there was actually no data. There was not a data breach on their end. So this guy's just been using this information to try to get, you know, just some some free crypto and uh, still some a lot of free, crypto. a lot of free crypto. And now I think this is where we let Brent kind of hop in. So I woke up and there was more to this story. So it turns out this guy has been trying to get Coindesk to report on him too. So Coindesk re- went ahead and released a lot of information that they had about this guy. We know who it is. The well, We know their pseudonym. The The hacker's name is Banatov Platon. Platon. Plat- Platon. I don't know. I'm going to go with Platon. And apparently he's been trying to get Coindesk to report that he hacked Binance. <laughs> So I think he's like trying to get more traction behind what he's doing to get Binance to give him more money by trying to get the media outlets to report that he hacked them. Coindesk went ahead and released the transcripts of their conversation and the conversation the guy had with Binance. So he is acting like he's the good guy. He's like, oh, I'm a white hat hacker. Um, Just I hacked the hackers is what he's saying. He's saying that he found the people that hacked Binance and he hacked them and he got the KYC from them and he's just trying to get his you know due. He's like I don't need the money but also pay me is what's going on. So <laughs> so he thinks he's a good guy. He said he had 60,000 images of KYC and he's been releasing them on this Telegram channel. He's released like 600, but 600 is what he also sent CoinDesk uh like a few weeks ago. So he said that he the hack in May that we had talked about back in May was because the one with the API keys was a Binance insider and that the insider apparently also leaked the KYC stuff which is unrelated to this January hack or whatever we're talking about. Like this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Binance has come out and said, these aren't our images because there's no watermarks on them. They did mention a third party that they used, but I don't know if that third party was ever breached. They don't know. They said like they don't have our watermarks. So it wasn't ours. We did use a third party back in 2018 that that could have been. So some of these users do say that like they are legitimate Binance users and that these images do belong to them. Coindesk has at least confirmed two. But one of the other thoughts going around was that this guy is actually the hacker who replaced Binance's site with a phishing site. And he's just releasing like the few pieces of KYC that he was able to get during that period of time while there was a phishing site up. So that's why he's only released like 600. That might be all there is, but he's trying to act like there's more because they're real Binance customers that submitted their KYC again. So we're not sure if it was because of the third party hack or if it was because this guy had a phishing site or if Binance was really hacked. Like they're saying they weren't and I'm inclined to trust them. So anyway, the the chat that this guy had with the CTO of Binance, Ted Lin, uh, Ted Lin basically told him to fuck off. You're not extorting us, he said. We're not giving you any money. We don't respond to that. Uh, we do have a public bounty for information on the hackers that we, that they had talked about. So if he wanted that bounty, he was welcome to give them the information and claim it if it made sense. And he was like, I don't need the money. And then uh, his last message to them was, then pay me. 
because they were like, just give us the information and if it works, we'll give you the bug bounty or whatever or the bounty. So he's been posting those things uh, again. He, he thinks he's like the good guy as the bad guys always do. So that it's, a, it's an interesting situation to follow. But my personal opinion is that Binance probably was not hacked. They've been pretty transparent with when they get breached and they tell everybody and they go through it and they literally kind of give you like a live stream of how they're fixing it. So I don't see why they would draw the line at know your customers data being breached. I feel like they would just tell you. So I don't, uh, I don't distrust them in this case. I know a lot of people will distrust big exchanges, which is fine. You can do that and you're welcome to, to distrust Binance. I'm just telling you what I think. Yeah, and it makes sense based on history and stuff like that. And they would be taking a risk here if they try to pretend like they didn't. And then it, events show that they did get hacked. So also Occam's Razor in a way, you know, I mean, we'll see how things play out. But it does seem based on their history and stuff, I tend to believe them as well. Yeah, if you're if you're playing Game Theory Optimal here and you're Binance, right? If a guy is threatening you with releasing stuff that he got from a leak from you, and you knew there was a leak, maybe you would at least say, yeah, you're right. We did get leaked. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's a big gamble. <laughs> instead of saying, go fuck yourself, give us the information, or we're, like, we're not paying you, dude. Yeah. And then also saying we didn't Publicly, have a breach. Oh, yeah, there's no leak. Yeah. There's no leak. We're good. Like, if this guy could prove that they didn't have a breach after they publicly said, or that they did have a breach, after they publicly say that they don't have a breach. Yeah, he gets the upper hand. I feel like they would take a different line. Exactly, exactly. So, that's the gist of the Binance situation. As far as you guys are concerned... Always assume that data you put out there is at least in some way risked. This guy also said that he had passwords and, you know, addresses and all that stuff. I don't think so because, again, this guy's acting like a scumbag. If he had passwords, he would just be stealing people's money that way. I don't think he has them. So that's it. Like, the if uh, maybe it'll, maybe there'll be more that happens. I'm sure by the time we wake up tomorrow, it's that's three years in crypto verse. So there'll be more that'll be done. So. That's the that's the Binance hack story. And uh, speaking of uh, super legitimate people, we have a new little segment coming up. Bullish or bullshit? Bullish or bullshit, boys? Uh-oh. All right, here we go. Craig Wright. Bullish or bullshit? Do I need to go further, or do you just want to make a determination uh, after I say Craig Wright? I, well, it depends. Are you going to say something negative or positive? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Craig Wright has to pay $73,000 in legal fees for Roger Veer, bullish or bullshit? I am going to be bullish on this because I could just i've I've seen his courtroom strategies. Let's just say that. So <laughs> I don't. Exp- I wouldn't be surprised if he lost something. Yeah, I'm I'm bullish on this. All right, kind of a trick question because you'll see. It, it appears to be bullish. It appears this is legitimate, but uh, you'll see the piece where it falls well, apart. thanks for that, Brent. Thanks for really just tricking us good. This took place in England, and I have a link to the court ruling in the show notes if you want to actually read that. Uh, basically, the court decided that he could not prove that he had a good enough global reputation nor that it was in any way damaged by anything Roger Veer did. So they're literally like, dude, we can't fucking make your image worse because it can't be worse. <laughs> so you can't have a uh, a libel claim against somebody who's already known as a piece of shit. Uh, obviously, the judge didn't say that, but that's what the implication was. Uh, he, The judge also suggested that Craig was trying to game the system. In It was called like libel tourism or some weird term but basically that 
he did it in the UK because the UK was more likely to give him a positive ruling when Roger is a Japanese citizen, so he should have been doing it in Japan. Hold on a second. Craig Wright, Satoshi Nakamoto was trying to use the legal system to uh, extort his opponents. Oh, wait a minute. He's also a patent troll now, Yeah, right? he's also a patent troll. Oh, so this is literally exactly wow, what, what he does. Shocker. Yeah. Shocker. So they definitely ruled against him. The ruling is absolutely that they ruled against him and that uh, Craig has to pay Roger's court fees or his legal fees. The number, unfortunately, that I don't know if we can call this bullish or bullshit because the number is just what Roger said it was. So there hasn't been any actual legal filing that shows that that's the number that he okay. has to pay. Uh, Roger just said, no, my, my court fees were 60,000 pounds, which is approximately $73,000. Um, but there's no like actual proof of that. However, you know, it doesn't sound it, that crazy. It's Roger, so like, like yeah, it's not like it's a big, it's not like you said, yeah, yeah he's got to pay me a million dollars. I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> 60, 60,000 pounds for getting a good lawyer seems about right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's what it is. So there we go. Craig Wright ending and rounding out our that's a scam section is, has lost. He still has pending uh, litigation against Vitalik. He has pending litigation against Peter McCormick. Uh, he has pending litigation against one of the news sites. He's uh, and, and Peter McCormick has been like talking more shit on Twitter since. Like he's he he talked a lot of shit for a while. Then he actually backed off because his lawyers clearly told him to stop. And then he started only posting like things here and there. And now he's like ramping up his shit talking again. He's just like, yeah, this, he knows he's gonna win. Who does he so. not have pending litigation against? Yeah, well, luckily not the, us because we wouldn't have any money to defend ourselves. The city of Bogota, apparently. <laughs> shame, yeah, shame yeah, the city of Bogota has already <laughs> given him the, the only seal one of person approval. in the world recognizes my achievements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good callback. <laughs> That's pro- well, it was probably like four or five episodes ago, right? Yeah, uh, I, don't, I, don't I don't even know. That was a while ago. We were the, the four or five flagships ago. Were yeah, anointing Craig. Time is an illusion. I measured things in blocks. Uh, that was a lot of blocks ago. My no, no, friends, not, that's the Verge blockchain. <laughs> my friends just say time is a construct, and it's like what I've noticed is is just people who don't do anything are like time is a construct, man. And I'm like, yeah. all right, buddy, a good cool. way to be lazy. Stop getting up at two p.m. <laughs> is that why you didn't show up for the job interview? <laughs> <laughs> You said two o'clock, but I was like, what does that even mean? Yeah, what does that mean, <laughs> man? I didn't, I didn't think it was legit. The, the amount of quotes that we've had that have just uh, on this episode that with, with just words that would never be used in a real interview are pretty funny. Legit, insane, grokked. Grokked. The grokked is the, uh, I need to know what, you know what? While we go, it's time to go to crypto around the crypto world. Crypto around the world. I still have it. I still I, I explained it to you earlier. You have to understand intuitively or by empathy. As in like you guys are just kind of in unison. Wait, I just looked up grokked in Urban Dictionary and it doesn't exist. It's a real word. <laughs> that just means it's rural. Did you look up rural dictionary? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to look up grok. Wow. Is, is that like like in the in the post Trump world is Urban Dictionary just like the the actual dictionary now? Well, I also spelled it G R O C K instead of G R O K, and uh, and grok is uh, to understand profoundly through intuition or empathy. So he's really gonna grok the fuck out of that game. All right, <laughs> grok it, bro. All right. Anyway, crypto around the world. Wait, 
Before we go to crypto around the world, I really have to interrupt because I saw Brent yesterday. This has nothing to do with anything except for I saw Brent on a Wild Foods Instagram post video where he was dressed up as Turmeric Man. It was like he was Tally, but instead he was like, I'm Turmeric Man. I'm Turmeric Man. He's just going around acting with a big yellow bag. And it just had a little like like a little uh, sticker of Wild Foods <laughs> on his uh, bag, and he's just like annoying Colin, who's like the Wild Foods uh, head honcho, and he's like, "I'm turmeric man for a full minute." Yeah, so- it was uh, it was kind of spur of the moment. I found these like bright yellow DHL bags, and I gr- I put one on as like a like a costume, and then I put the turmeric label on my chest. And then I went up to Colin while he was getting like a video done of him, and I was like, "I'm turmeric man." So if you want to see that, it's in the show notes. Who uh, are yeah, you doing? Was it? Uh, it wasn't Tally. Was it was it like, closer to like a to more like a Mr. Poopy butthole. Tally inspired. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, check it out at uh, Wild Foods. I'm turmeric man. Well, yeah, Wild Foods Instagram. You'll see my my mug. Uh, in fact. I'll add that as one of the things that you can uh, you can watch. <laughs> if you go there, you can watch it as, and it'll get you a point for for towards the entry. So Adam with that? the smooth second ad, very smooth, very smooth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how do you not mention that? It was uh, it was in my head all day. That's the perfect transition to North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, <that> <laughs> all right, guys. So North Korea is on the news. Reuters is reporting that they have seen they were given access to a confidential report by the United Nations that concluded that they have stolen approximately two billion dollars in crypto and financial assets that they have been funneling towards their weapons of mass destruction program. That's what the report says. Um, that they have been focusing on cyber attacks that attack specifically banks, financial institutions in general, cryptocurrency exchanges, and mining operations. So these are the primary targets. Wow. So we might have been talking about North Korea that whole yeah, last that's section. Right. <laughs> might, that might have been uh, the, the Verge miner. That could have been them. A bunch of these hacks. I mean, think about it. It's an entire state... That is making it a policy to, you know, invest in this. So, yeah, they got to be pretty strong and they can do it, you know, within the context of the law because it's state sponsored. So the report also claims that Pyongyang has been using um, some of that money to enhance their nuclear weapon program, their nuclear missile program that they used. The, the article talks about how they use cyberspace to launder all the stolen money too. It's basically, it, it, it was hinting a lot about the fact that now that they could do things digitally, they just have access to do things that they couldn't do before. Of course, right now there are 35 different reported hacks of either financial institutions or exchanges or mining operations that are linked directly to North Korea. The last thing to remember here, I'm just putting this to give full context uh, is that the Security Council of the United Nations has also imposed sanctions on North Korea. So since 2006, they've banned uh, exports of coal, iron, lead, textiles, uh, seafood, and they also capped how much oil they can export. So whether or not those sanctions were justified, I don't really know enough background, but just maybe putting in the context that this activity by North Korea is in part a response to 
them not having access to the world markets. I mean, I'm not saying that it's cool that they're doing this, but it's also like North Korea's kind of been put into a corner that they kind of have to do this for, you know, just to because they're, I mean, they're in a corner. I don't know if I would say they've been put. They've kind of put themselves there, too. Oh, well, yeah. But you know what? Fuck, I ain't even mad, man. This is like they're like they're like, all right, y'all want to let us do oil? We're just going to start stealing other shit. Yeah. I mean, look, in some ways, it's like uh, there's crime in every space, right? So why wouldn't there be crime in cyberspace? And I agree with you, Brent. In a, in a way, they could be a Darwinian force. It's obviously not great that there are entities out there that are just hacking. But at the same time, let's do it now. Let's do it now while the sector's growing. Have an entire state focused on hacking, trying to hack projects, trying to hack blockchains, trying to hack exchanges, and let the consumer see who can actually build safe, secure exchanges and blockchains. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> fight. Bring it. Exactly. 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 And it's also worth noting that you know, political actions always have consequences and that the world's complicated. It sucks. Maybe these sanctions all really made sense. But like you said, Adam, they're going to trigger a response. You know, no country's just going to be like, oh, okay, I lose now. You know, they're just going <laughs> to, everybody's going to do whatever they can to benefit their needs too. You do make a good point though, uh, that it, it is like, obviously in a perfect world, no one would hack anything, but we do not live in a perfect world, and that's just kind of how things go. And I just think back to when the the Dow got hacked. It felt people. It seemed like, oh man, how could that happen? You know, and, and this was before. I'm not even sure you two were in crypto at that point. No. But it was kind of like, yeah, obviously, the, like stuff like this is is just inevitable. When there's a lot of money, thing, things are just going to start kind of happening but then it it was like it was even more like less secure they just figured out a back door and just started funneling out these funds and it was like the only real dap or like the one at the time so thinking about where that was three four three years ago and now where where we've gone or come i think it's pretty you know we've come a long way for the most part and you know I guess. So is North Korea's nuclear missile program, thanks to us. <laughs> <Well>. Yeah, <laughs> very true. All right. Well, that's that's enough about the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. You know, uh, it's Kareem, democratic because it's in I, the name. <laughs> yep. That always, it's always, if it's in the name, that means it's big. Tell us a little bit more about the top four European countries. Yes. All right. So this was, I was going to make this almost like a rapid fire section. And then I went into a little bit of a rap, rabbit hole. So it kind of changed. So originally, this was just an article that I found online. It was like, what are the number, you know, top four countries by adoption? And it's just looking at internet users. It was a big survey that was done of internet users that was asking, do you own crypto? What kind of other assets do you own, basically? And uh, it, the breakdown is not super surprising. Number one, Switzerland. No surprise there, guys. We know they have. It's where all know, the. That's right. All the good regulations. Zurich is a very popular crypto city. And according to this survey... Zug. Uh, Zug. Yeah, we got to make a uh, a trip to Zug one Zug. day. That's the capital of the world, the yeah, crypto capital should. of the world. Uh, anyway, in the survey, guys, 7% of respondents, internet users, 
owned cryptocurrency assets and 14% of asset holders owned cryptocurrency. So that's like anybody that either owned gold or stocks or some kind of other um, factor, which shows you that having wealth and having other types of assets is more indicative of holding crypto than necessarily being online, right? right? Number two, Austria. Similarly, they had 7% of internet users, 12% of asset holders. Number three was Turkey. Uh, I thought it was kind of interesting in the article. The person writing the article was saying like, oh, even though there's been a lot of turmoil in Turkey, uh, the interest in cryptocurrency still remains high. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I would change that to, since there's been a lot of turmoil in Turkey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, and Romania was number four, guys. 6% of Ooh. respondents have it, 14% of people who hold assets. But then I got interested in this report. So I went to go find it. It was a report that was purchased by Bitpanda or what, what is it called? Uh when like somebody pays somebody to do a report, spot not sponsored, yeah, sponsored, I guess. Commissioned, maybe? Commissioned. Thank you. Commissioned. Commissioned by Bitpanda, but this was actually carried out by a company called Global Web Index. It focused on European holders, and the question was actually pretty good. I got to see what they were asking people. It wasn't a leading question, like, do you own crypto assets, or what do you think of it? It was more like, which of these do you own, or do you own any of these assets? And it was a list, stocks, bonds, gold, cryptocurrency was one of them. So it's kind of very uh, open. And they got 120,000 respondents, and this was done in 2018. Now, here are some of the key conclusions that I thought were interesting that I wanted to share with you guys. Number one, the archetypal cryptocurrency holder will be a young or hodler, <laughs> or hodler will be a young, highly educated, high income man working full time or as a freelancer in a major European financial center or in IT, engineering or finance. That's your. Oh, boy. Hey, guys. <laughs> archetypal will be young highly educated high income men ladies out there that we know listen to the podcast what up they very specifically <laughs> say that even though that's the average that definitely doesn't represent everybody and that clearly here we are to prove that point <laughs> but also <laughs> one in five cryptocurrency owners were women so there's that discrepancy we talked about before, but definitely less than in some other technology spaces. And over 40% of owners, uh, sorry, 40% of holders were over the age of 35. Now, even though people who owned cryptocurrency are more likely to have a college degree than people who don't hold cryptocurrency, the majority of people who hold cryptocurrency still don't have a degree, 54% of people. So, mm -hmm. okay. And what are some of the main factors that lead people to invest in cryptocurrency? Well, number one, an interest in business and technology, having lots of disposable income, uh, inclination to run risks and gamble. Okay, finally, we're being represented. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm all about the uh, young, highly educated, high income man. I don't know about this one. Um, and as far as traits that uh, define or characterize people, they said that openness to risk, pursuit of novelty, and a strong sense of economic empowerment were very characteristic of cryptocurrency holders. Uh, but 
Interestingly, this same pattern is seen in affluent internet users. So it's pronounced in crypto. It's even more so in crypto. But those three factors of being more open to risk and pursuing more novelty and having strong sense of economic empowerment, um, apparently that's more of an affluent internet user thing, which makes sense. It's kind of like this global generation um, that's growing up online and especially when they have access to affluence. Yeah, if you're not just you, if you're not, if you're casually, very casually using the internet, you're not really just going to hop into an exchange to buy a bunch of crypto or something and understand unless even it's how. 2017. <laughs> right. Yeah, unless <laughs> unless it's 2017. But other than though, that like few couple months towards the end of the year that it was mass hysteria, uh, I'd say that generally. Um, it's I like true. I like these upcoming findings as well because I think that. They are very pragmatic conclusions in a way, and they made me think about you, Brent. Um, number one, they say that uh, cryptocurrency holders they are concerned about privacy, but not really more so than like let's say general internet users. That that it's not more of a concern, but that they are more likely to be proactive about protecting themselves by using a VPN or varying passwords or whatever it is. So. There, it's not like it's a bigger concern. They're just simply more, more proactive. You know, they just accept it as a reality. It's almost the way I interpreted that. That's because we're stable geniuses, Green. <laughs> uh, okay, I only got two more conclusions here. Uh, cryptocurrency is rarely someone's first investment. The vast majority of people who had gotten to cryptocurrency, anybody basically on there was twice as likely. If they own cryptocurrency, they were twice as likely to either own gold or stocks or any other form of investment or savings asset. And then the last conclusion, I want to share this with the audience because it's always important for us to keep in mind how we're being targeted. In quotes, they say that if you're marketing to cryptocurrency holders, you should target general purpose, social and business channels and also niche sites. And this part they put in bold right here. Characteristically, opinion leaders and video content are important. So what this report is telling them well, is put all of your money into uh, influencers, video content, all that kind of stuff. So that's where you're going to be influenced. Good to know that. So yeah, opinion leaders, which of course is us. <clears throat> so if you would like to put your money into the crypto space and correctly reach your audience reach out to us at crypto basic podcast at gmail.com you and i will hop on a call and we'll talk about our advertising opportunities <laughs> together or donate to our patreon which is oh, actually our next next segment and uh yeah brent do you want to talk a little but bit brent, about that? what about our secret email list want, where people could just double their profits if they follow our simple investment technique are we going to share that yet no uh, <laughs> yeah, that that's totally coming. The uh, Colombian <laughs> Satoshi Nakamoto sponsored double your money <laughs> algorithm designed by Satoshi himself. <laughs> oh, I forgot. I don't know. I remember reading about this guy who scammed a scammer, and it was amazing. He uh, one of those people were just like, "Yeah, give us your Bitcoin, and we'll double it." And he was like, "Oh, I have five Bitcoin. What, is that how much I should give you?" And they go back and forward, and this guy is able to convince 
the scammer to send him $50 worth of Bitcoin. I wish I could remember who this was. And then he donated it to like some fund that was like fighting against scammers <laughs> or whatever. Awesome. And the guy was like, no, please send it back. I really need that. Oh my God, no. Uh, uh, he basically uh, uh. was like, well, there's another guy. I'm going to send him my four Bitcoin. He already sent me $100. So if you want me to send you one Bitcoin, you need to send me uh, $50 just to prove. And then I'll send it right back to you. I need to make sure our channels are open. And then, yeah, I don't know. It was great. I would, if I find that before the show publishes, I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, if not, go in the Discord and tell me where that is. And yes, Patri- Patreon members, we do put a little, we give you a little bit of extra insight into us when we can put a little bit of stuff out there. Um, I, there will be a specific partnership on Patreon with Wild Foods in the future. Uh, to I think it'll be like more than double what their standard discount is that we can give. So Patreon members, uh, I haven't hammered that out yet. And there's a couple other uh, cool little pieces there. So join Patreon. Uh, you can uh, patreon.com slash crypto basic. And you just for a dollar an episode keeps us functioning and alive. Uh, we Given we are taking advertising dollars from Wild Foods, but you'll notice that we are not taking them from, hey, go check out the ICO for Gurgurger Burger. Even though they keep trying to give oh, us, oh, I definitely money. want to invest in that Gurgurger Burger. Gurgurger Burger is great. I think All right, this is so, works. Um, <laughs> oh wait, I promised that I would read out a. Uh, um, I, I promised I would read out some reviews on iTunes last episode. So one second, let me pull those up. By the way, while we're waiting, I do want to uh, just say that this has been uh, very interesting and fun being on this podcast the past four months or so. It is very hard to talk on the internet in real time, I'm learning. And uh, yeah, Brent, you want to read some reviews? Let's read some reviews. I'm going to click see all. So uh, this was, um, I don't know, let's pick, uh, this guy's name is Joey Bats. There's four S's on the end. These guys are exactly what we need for this space. They know their stuff. They're informative. And most importantly, fair. Shout out to Kareem. Love Mike and Brent. I guess this is an older one. But Kareem is the man. <laughs> Guy knows his stuff. <laughs> and he's a fan of Rick and Morty. Can't recommend this podcast enough. Never miss an episode. I would not have read that one out if I read the whole thing. <laughs> Clearly. So, <laughs> gave a double shout out to Kareem. And... Uh, uh, you know what? I'm I'm gonna read this one. It's called "So Aww. Disappointing." <laughs> I think this came out right around the time we released that one episode that we don't talk about anymore. I listened to a few of these and really liked their banter and research on cryptos. Didn't agree with everything, but you don't have to. Trouble is, they can't help but veer into politics all the time, and it's not even well-informed positions, just stupid rhetoric. <laughs> I wanna, if I want to listen to misinformed morons drone on about things they don't understand every chance they get, that's easy to find. CNN. If you want to listen to intelligent, well-informed opinions in the crypto space and all that's happening, there are better options out there. Well, I disagree with you. I think if you want to listen to misinformed morons drone on about things they don't understand, this is the place <laughs> for you. So definitely, <laughs> yeah. I think that should have been a five star review. He was in the right place. Well, he just didn't know. It. So thanks, did you Steady One Fourteen? I actually read that one a while back, and I was like, <laughs> "That's kind of funny." So yeah, feel feel free to submit some uh, some other ratings. I'll check Podcast Addict next time, which I think I like better as far as the rating system. But that was it. Those are underwhelmed. Like I just picked a couple. Man, there's a lot of them. What do you mean underwhelming? They they called us idiots and morons, and we didn't know anything. That's great. Yeah, that How one was fun. The first one was, 
I don't know. I just want some like really weird ones. You know, like the Amazon reviews where there are people. Don't are- give people any ideas <laughs> because we have so many trolls out there that we are going to get now like 100 reviews that are just like, I'm a basic bitch for life. <laughs> have you ever seen the Amazon review for the sugar-free Haribu? Yeah. So there's just like all these funny Amazon reviews. And I guess I was hoping that, you know. We'd have a, f- I mean, that last one was pretty funny. Don't talk yep. about politics. So you can write us, you can write us terrible negative reviews and I will read them out loud. Just please make them five stars. All right. So that's, that's, that's it for today. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we are not financial advisors, no, right? Definitely not. I think that guy made it I pretty just said clear. that we were idiots, morons and all that. So not, this is not financial advice. Please do your own research and everything. This is for entertainment, obviously. And uh, all investments have inherent risk. Do not invest any more than you can afford to lose. Join our Discord. Check CryptoBasicPodcast.com slash giveaway. Get some $50 gift cards. All right, we out. I'm Turmeric Man. (laughs) 